Jessica. Hi, how are you? I'm meeting up with poet Jessica Salgado outside of the Hunts Point Produce Market in the South Bronx. For you, I'll meet you anywhere. Yes. It's a frigid winter day, and we're all bundled up. Jessica is visiting from her home in Los Angeles. To be talking about love somewhere that isn't home kind of makes it even that much more richer for me. Hunts Point is the largest wholesale fruit and vegetable market in the world. And we've brought Jessica here because we're on a kind of a quest. We're here to find the sexiest, most romantic fruit. From NPR and Futuro Media, it's Latino USA, and I'm Maria Hinojosa. Today, dear listener, we have a Valentine's Day special just for you. We're going to talk with Jessica about love, lust, and being a hopeless romantic. But first, we're going to go on a little adventure together. And just a warning that some of the conversation is about sex and may not be appropriate for all ages. Jessica writes a lot of love poems, and many of those poems talk about mangoes and lemons and oranges. So she's the perfect person to bring to the Hunts Point Market. It's super industrial. There are guys hauling crates of pumpkins and celery around. There are trucks everywhere. They beep as they pull in and out of the parking lot. Honestly, it's not that easy to find somebody here to ask about sexy fruit. But then we run into this guy. Hey, <laughs> what's your name? Salvatore Sugarone. Naturally, they call me Sugar. So, so you, we're here because Jessica is a poet. She writes a lot about love and sex and passion. Oh, I could sing about that, but oh. I got a raspy voice. Usually I'm a good singer, but right now I'm a little off. What would be the song that you would sing? Speaking words of wisdom, let it be. See, I'm a little off, though. On a good night, you would melt. <laughs> so, because you're here all the time, what is the sexiest piece of fruit or the most romantic piece of fruit? Oh, uh, I would say a kiwi. You got any? Yeah. Sugar walks over to a pile of kiwis that he's selling, and he splits one open with a knife. And it looks pretty spectacular. It's bright yellow on the inside, and it looks super juicy. That's a gold kiwi. Try that. Thank you. So what makes this the sexiest fruit for you? That's the sexiest fruit. Just, don't you taste it? I mean, it's, it's delicious. It's beautiful. But I would have never, never thought of a kiwi as sexy. Like, I think of kiwis as an awkward fruit. Okay, but, but seriously... Right now, if you if you bite into this kiwi, right? You got to do the sucking motion, right? You gotta, you gotta, I, so here we I go. I think that's the sensual part, yeah, right? Yeah. You know, and you're just like, no. Mm. I mean, I get it, but I don't think it's the sexiest fruit. And no, because you're actually taking a poor yeah. thing. She's like, she's I, like, I suck too hard. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, it's delicious. So we tried the golden kiwi, but Hunts Point is bursting with potentially sexy fruits. What are those? I don't know. They're tomatoes. Wow. They're beautiful tomatoes. Those are like the most sensual. And right next to a very phallic chili. (laughs) We spot some squash. This is some pretty intense 
Robust. Robust. <laughs> Anything coming to mind as you're looking at the squash? Me. <laughs> it's a heavy, beautiful fruit. And these are still green and they're changing colors. Let's put it back down. It's like oozing. Um, <laughs> Jessica grew up in L.A. in a Salvadoran family. She calls herself a fat fly poet. She's been writing and performing poetry for more than a decade, first online and at Poetry Slams. Jessica and her poetry have blown up over the last few years with help from Instagram and with a lot of love from L.A.'s Latinx community. Last fall, she published her third book of poetry. It's called Hermosa. And she has a real talent for finding the poetry in everyday things. I talk about a lot of ripening fruits as like the discovering of love and finding love. And I think it's because it takes a lot of growth to be able to harvest. And then even then you still have to wait for it to be ready for you to consume. And many times we're so worried about love, we don't realize it has to take time to become love. And, and so I think fruits teach us those lessons to wait. Like, I don't think you've really known love until you're waiting for a mango to ripen or an avocado to ripen. And you keep going back and touching it and you're like, no, it's not ready. I can't eat it yet. I can't eat it yet. And then when you finally can, you're like, I'm so glad I waited. So beautiful. All right, well, let's keep walking. Yes. Oh, sorry. We're all in As we go deeper into the market, we start feeling, well, a little bit in the way of men pushing around fruit crates. And then all of a sudden... Hola. Is charge here? I am. Hi, I'm directing it even. Good. Can I ask what your purpose here is? Where are we? And that's the beginning of the end of our fruit adventure. Director Medina politely escorts us to the exit. But before leaving, I had just one more question. So we were here to talk about romantic and sexy fruit. Okay, you just gave me the side eye. What is the sexiest fruit? For me? Yes. Oh, no. Come on, you got to give us an answer. Uh, You're around fruit every single day. Well, let's go with the mango, the grapes, and uh, uh, avocado. I agree. I agree. And with that, we exit the market get in the car and head back to the Latino USA studios in Harlem. Yes, sir. Back in our warm studio, I sit down with Jessica to talk about love, lust, her body, and her new book. All right, Jessica, thank you for going on the sexy fruit hunt with us, and I'm really sorry that we got kicked out. I can't ever say anybody else has ever interviewed me like that. I love it. It was such the perfect metaphor for who I am in this world and and to be in such a male-dominated space, but to be with a woman, you know, interviewing me. And it's just so true to who I am, like, down to, like, the last drop, to be in this hustle and bustle and... To just be there and be like, no, I'm here to talk about love and all these things that, like, are inconvenient to you. Yeah. I also feel like the men were totally, like, yes, we were a bit of an inconvenience, but I think that they were also, frankly, very 
attracted to what was happening. Yes. I think that they were attracted to you because you're a poet and you exude this kind of otherworldliness. And I think they were attracted to me because they're probably like, who is this older woman who's just walking around like she like (laughs) knows everything? Well, there isn't anything sexier than confidence. And we had someone cut open a fruit for us like while he was at work. And and then like even the guys that I like I apologized for someone that I was in his way. He's like, no, you're good. Like, like they were intrigued. And I see a lot of for me that happens a lot with men that come to my readings. They don't get the hype, right? They don't get it. And then they step into a room that I'm holding in the palm of my hand. And and I always see the way that they look at me changes completely after that. And um at my book release. Uh, this man that I have a crush on was there. Crush on so so young, so youthful, but that <laughs> but that's what he makes. I feel giddy. Like nothing's happened between us, but I feel giddy whenever I'm around him, and I feel the most beautiful when I'm on stage, reading my poetry, and I'm like, if after this he doesn't want to marry me, <laughs> or at least hook up, like I, there's nothing else I can do. Like I've played my biggest card. You have written a lot about your body, Mm -hmm. and you call yourself a body-positive activist. Mm -hmm. And you've written about how relationships have affected your relationship with your body. Definitely. I mean, being a fat woman in general, it's it's a lot, right? And then, like, we get to Hunt's point, and I see how large it is. I'm like, we're going to have to walk around. I'm going to be out of breath just because I'm a lot more body moving around. But there's, there's something in me that always kicks into, no, I'm Jessica. I'm Jessica Salgado, and I'm here with Maria Hinojosa. <laughs> like, there's no time to be shy. And I feel that that's also what happens during sex. All of my hang-ups, all of my whatever, I could show up at a man's house and have a laundry list of why he might not want to have sex with me. But the minute that we're both naked, who cares? Like, the car got started, <laughs> and we're on our way, and, like, all the fears and everything doesn't even matter anymore. And And I think that as someone with my body... It's taken a long time to get to this, right? Like, I spent many years pretending this wasn't my body, you know, going online with other women's pictures and only having romance through phones and through screens and then coming into who I am now, this this woman who says, like, yeah, you know, like, there's things about my body that aren't ideal, but everybody has that. My experience is not unique especially as women in this country (laughs) that we're told that beauty looks a specific way. And there's only a small percentage of the population that does look like that. So what have been the significant moments where love has changed how you think about your own body? Oh, my goodness. So I used to catfish, right? I used to pretend to be other people. And one of the last relationships that I had using someone else's pictures instead of my own online, right, was with this guy named Dominic from Reading, Pennsylvania. And he and I spoke for like six months and we had talked about visiting each other and I kept putting it off and putting it off and excuses of why I couldn't get on camera, all these things, right? And then finally it just got to be too much. And it was kind of when I hit the wall when I was like, what am I doing I had already found a community of poetry and poets that loved me and supported me. And I was going home to pretend to be somebody else. And it was just becoming like a lot. And so I came clean to him, right? I confessed. And um, it was my turning point in my life. 
I felt that my wrongdoing wasn't lying to him for X amount of months. It was getting him to fall in love with a fat woman. I felt that that was what I had done wrong. And so I told him, I'm going to disappear. I won't be in your life anymore. I'm sorry. And he said, no, I, I love you. I want you in my life. I don't know if I could do a relationship with you because you're a liar, but I still <laughs> want you in my life. And then he said, why didn't you let me choose? You didn't even give me the option to choose you. And that question changed the rest of everything for me because him asking that question, I'm like, I don't even choose myself. Coming up on Latino USA, I talk with Jessica about how her growing career success has helped her figure out what she wants out of love. Stay with us. No te vayas. This message comes from NPR sponsor, BetterHelp, the online counseling service dedicated to connecting you with a licensed counselor to help you overcome whatever stands in the way of your happiness. Fill out a questionnaire and get matched with a professional tailored to your needs. And if you aren't satisfied with your counselor, you can request a new one at any time free of charge. Visit BetterHelp.com Latino to get 10% off your first month. Get the help you deserve with BetterHelp. Some of the greatest artists in music have played behind NPR Music's Tiny Desk. Could you be next? Enter the Tiny Desk Contest by submitting a video of you playing an original song behind a desk. If you win, you'll get to play a Tiny Desk concert. Learn more at npr.org slash tinydeskcontest. We're back. And in her new book, Hermosa, poet Jessica Salgado writes about romance. A woman loves a man and life begins. And about heartbreak. The man does not love the woman, and she writes a world in which he does. But also about creating a life that's all her own. I just want my own place. Somewhere to burn sage. I want to play music loud and a home that can outlast any relationship. But most of all, I want to find a home that isn't you, isn't us, isn't that quiet room where we died, where I left all hope of you coming back, announcing that you choose me after all. Instead, I want my own place. Doesn't that sound so nice? So I asked Jessica about how she balances love with independence and her career. Let's get back to the conversation. So you are a hopeless romantic. I am. But you're also straight up an American woman who's a feminist, who's independent, mm -hmm. who's not going to be told what to do or how to be. So 
What do you think about this notion of being an independent woman who is choosing to be single, but at the same time is like super romantic? I've had to learn that both things can be true, right? Nothing is mutually exclusive. I can yearn for love, 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 and at the same time hold men accountable for being part of patriarchy and misogyny, you know, like, and all these things. And I've come to the realization that nothing's missing from me. I'm Jessica, whether I have someone to love or I don't. And that even makes me more of a romantic because I'm not going to love to find the rest of me. I'm going to love because I choose to go to love, because I want to experience what sharing all of me is with someone else. And if you come into my life and this doesn't work out, it's okay because I already planned my life without you. But if you decide to stay, we could plan that life now. My goal is to buy my own home, not to find a husband and us buy a home together. But if I find one and and he wants to help me with the mortgage, <laughs> fantastic, right? But you own the house. Yeah, but I own the house. You could just, <laughs> I joke and I tell him that, I, that I'm looking for my Stedman. And I'm like, I just want someone to stay in the house. And if I need you for a red carpet, I'll dust you off and bring you out. <laughs> my ideal partner now would be someone who is okay with me being in the spotlight. And then them having their own lives. So that is something that has happened. You just published your third book of poetry. Mm-hmm. It's called Hermosa. And you've written about dating when potential boos are threatened by your success. Yes. How do we, as powerful Latinas, women of color, who clearly have no problem taking up space Mm -hmm. because we quiet the imposter voices in our head and we're just like, we're going to do this. How do you manage being who you are when people see you as incredibly successful and therefore oftentimes men and women will feel very threatened by this? 2018 was a year of learning how to deal with that. I lost potential partners and friends. They wanted to wish better for me, but for some reason it was messing up their heads. And um, I was involved with someone very loosely. And I remember we were in an argument and he said, well, you're Jessica Salgado, you're used to getting whatever you want. Because in LA, I'm what, like a hometown celebrity, like whatever whatever you want to, I'm, I'm, my hometown loves me. Right. I have friends that are DJs. I get invited to their parties. They'll put me on their list. Okay, I know who I'm hanging out with in L.A. <laughs> Come to L.A. I'll me. show All you right. a good time. Totally. The Latinx community in L.A. has loved me as hard as I've loved them. So sometimes men see that and they think like, what can I give you that you're not already getting? And when they ask that question, I know that they're not for me. Because if a man can't see my success without making himself a part of it, then he's not someone that I need. And I learned that last year. Before that, I would cry and I'd be like, why can I be successful and have everything I want? No, you can, but you can't have it with everybody. I want so much in this world that whoever I fall in love with has to understand that my hunger is so much more than just a partner. I had a partner tell me, what can I show you that you haven't already seen? And I said, what's your need for you to show me something? Why can't I show you something? Why can't I take you to the parts of the United States that you've never... Salem, Virginia is like this random place, but there's a diner there that gives fantastic oatmeal. And maybe I want to take you there one day. 
So people have a hard time having a conversation with women about erotica, about sex. Why does it come easy for you to talk about sex, erotica, sexuality, sensuality, romance, all of that? So when I was very young, I was always very intrigued, right? And then I was a teenager that if there was like a sex scene in a novel, I would find it, right, and devour it. But I always felt so ashamed of it because I grew up Catholic. Oh, that guilt. Me too. <laughs> My parents were very strict, and they would only let me go out if it was a church thing. So I became very involved in my church. And so I thought that because I liked being at church so much, it meant I was going to be a nun. So I announced I was going to be a nun, and I was going to marry Jesus and all this stuff. But I still had this hunger, right? I just want to kiss a boy. I would make out with, like, the back of my hand and think I was just this this <laughs> hunger for it. And then I remember that there were party lines in the 90s, right, which is like a phone chat room, right? And I would call the party lines, and then I wasn't, have, I wasn't masturbating or doing anything, but I would have phone sex with people. And I was probably, like, very inappropriate because it was probably adults, and I was a child, like, I was a teenager. But I would talk about sex with people, and so I would hear men talk about sex, like, at a young age, and I learned what they wanted to hear, what they wanted or whatever. And for many years, that was the only way that I would be sexual was through the phone. So once I stopped catfishing and I was going through therapy, I realized that a lot of that was the suppression of my sexuality because I thought that as a fat woman, I couldn't be sexual. Because who wants to hear a fat girl talk about having sex? Because a fat woman is the most undesired woman. If you ask men what they fear when they meet someone on a dating app, their biggest fear is that the woman's going to be fat. The woman's biggest fear is that he's going to murder her. (laughs) And so I was taught that my body was the most offensive thing to men. And so now... I'm going to talk about sex and I'm going to talk about it without any pelos in my lingua, like without any restraints, because I want you to see what it looks like when it's fully consensual and when I have full control of what I'm saying. And I want other women who are not thin women to know that everybody has sex. I have to tell the story because if I don't, the other narrative is fat women only have sex for men's pleasure, but not for their own. And I'm like, no, I get pleasure. (laughs) I enjoy sex very much. And that's why, like, I've written about one-night stands. I've written about hooking up with someone just to avoid calling my ex or, like, going on a date just to find someone new to break my heart so I could forget about the last person. I think it's all beautiful. And I grew up with a mother whose sexuality was very repressed. My mother had multiple rape attempts on her in El Salvador to the point where, like, a man was almost kidnapping her. And then they always, like, it was always like, what did you do to make him want to do that, right? And then even my father and her, their first night, the consent story is very blurry. Like, he took her to a hotel and said, it's time that you're with a man. And then my mother goes, it was time for me to be with a man. And then my mom was only ever with my father. And sometimes I ask her, I'm like, Mom, do you ever regret not trying other? And she goes, Ay, Jessica, you are always asking me crazy questions. And I go, no, but for real. So I joke and I say, I have a lot of hoeing to make up for because my mother only had one partner and my grandmother probably only had my grandfather. And so they didn't do a lot of it. So I have to explore all of it. (laughs) 
All right, Jessica. So we have a bowl of fruit right here in the studio that our producers prepared for us. Oh my god, I feel like I have to bite into this. I'm sorry, I can't. I can't help it anymore. Oh my god, I can't. Okay, hold on. Uh, uh. Oh my god, mm. pomegranate. Yes. Mmm. So good. Yeah, I know you're picking up the big pomegranate. Yeah, no, I'm like looking at there what's under go. it. So, what do you think about what's under it? Las fresas. The strawberries. I eat them dipped in sugar. Wait, what? Yeah, have you ever? <laughs> That's such a Latin American thing to do, that you take fruit and you put it you in put sugar. You put it in sugar, yeah, you make the sweet sweeter. So, I don't know about El Salvador, but in Mexico there are many names, as we say. Mm-hmm. Hay muchos nombres para la parte de la mujer. There mm-hmm. are many names for, and they just call it the part of the woman. Mm-hmm. So, papaya, mm-hmm. mango, I know the melones are always for the breasts. Right. I've associated um, my breasts with mangoes. Here, have a piece of mango with me. Mmm. Oh, God. It's a little hard. Mm-hmm. It wasn't ready. still. This one would have been really good if it would have had a couple more days. A couple more days. Jessica, it has been so deliciously enlightening to spend some time with you. Thank you so much for joining me on Latino USA. Thank you. It's been an honor. This episode was produced by Alisa Escarce with help from Juan Diego Ramirez. It was edited by Sofia Palizacar. The Latino USA team includes Miguel Macias, Antonia Cerejido, Janice Yamoka, and Maggie Freeling with help from Ginny Montalvo and Joanna Luna. Our engineers are Stephanie Lebeau and Julia Caruso. Additional engineering this week by Leah Shaw. Our production manager is Natalia Fidelholz. Our digital editor is Amanda Alcantara. Our interns are Julia Inés Esparza and Julia Rocha. Our theme music was composed by Zenia Rubinos. If you like the music you heard on this episode, stop by latinousa.org and check out our weekly Spotify playlist. I'm your host and executive producer, Maria Hinojosa. Join us again next time. And in the meantime, look for us on all of your social media. Happy Valentine's Day. Ciao. Latino USA is made possible in part by California Endowment, building a strong state by improving the health of all Californians, the John D. and Catherine T. MacArthur Foundation, and the Ford Foundation, working with visionaries on the front lines of social change worldwide. It really feels like... I think he's trying to seduce you. He honed in on you. I think he liked you. No, I think it was you. He honed in on you. He looked at you. He was like, you're so pretty. Well, it was because you told him that I'm the one that's being interviewed. But before that, it was you. We're not going to make him choose.